What up, world? It's your pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is a bummer. Let's just get that out of the way. During the first half of the Blazers game against the Indiana Pacers on Thursday evening, Yusuf Nurkic suffered a fractured right wrist. We got to talk about it. That's what we're going to do. I want to talk first about Nurk the human. Uh, I think a lot of times in sports industries, we lose sight of the human. I want to talk a little bit about Nurk the person. Then I'll talk about where the Blazers go from here. Uh, Internal and external solutions and kind of the outlook for what those options might look like and might entail. Let's start with the basic details. With 8 minutes and 45 seconds left in the third quarter, Indiana Pacers point guard Malcolm Brogdon drove down the left side of the paint. As he got into the lane, Yusuf Nurkic swiped down at the ball with his right hand and appeared to hit Brogdon on his knee. The ball swung to the corner, and as the ball moved away from Nurk in the middle of the paint, he grabbed his wrist, immediately hurt pretty it wasn't super obvious uh, in live action that, that that was the moment, but the uh, the ball swung to Miles Turner, Pacers center. He drove down the lane. Nurk contested uh, a dunk attempt and crashed to the floor. And he crashed to the floor a little bit awkwardly. And the ball went the other way. The Blazers scored. And Indiana actually challenged the play. And there was a stoppage in play. And Yusuf Nurkic, holding his wrist, jogged directly back into the locker room. It was, from my vantage point watching the broadcast, a clear sign that he was hurt. But it wasn't clear to me at that moment how it happened. It seems pretty clear that he injured it, swiping down at Brogdon. He didn't speak to the media afterwards, so we won't know. He'll likely speak to the media tomorrow, which means Monday's show. I'll have an update for you there. Nurk never emerged from the locker room when he left. And the Blazers have eventually ruled him out for the remainder of the game with a fractured right wrist. CJ McCollum said he learned on, on the bench that... Uh, Nurk was injured. Damian Lord said he he also learned in in game, like sort of during that timeout. He asked, um, where he asked where's Nurk and the Blazers security guard Rick Riley said he went to the back. He's hurt. It's unclear maybe when they found out the severity of it or what even what the severity is. The Blazers haven't given a timeline. I don't exactly know when they might do that. They're a little bit weird with announcing injuries, but instead of. Uh, you know, googling all the possible wrist injuries and and what what fractures and all those things might be like. I think there's a time in the future to talk about timelines. I want to spend this first segment talking about Nurk the Human. Um, The place my mind went when I, quite frankly, realized that I was going to record a podcast this evening was remembering recording a podcast very late at night after Nurk sustained a compound fracture in his leg against the Brooklyn Nets in March of 2019. This doesn't have that same sort of gutting feeling like that did. Uh, A broken wrist is not a broken leg. They're not the same thing. But it does feel similar in a way because it's just a crushing bummer for a guy who you thought was starting to turn it around. Uh, Nurk was playing at his absolute best when he broke his leg. He has since played in 14 
excuse me, in 25 total games. It's a long road back for 25 games to get here. And he's obviously heading into this season dealt with a lot of family issues, the passing of his grandmother and, and sort of the other family trauma that we don't know the uh, specifics of that caused him to be in Bosnia and miss the first couple days of training camp. He is someone who's just dealt with a lot of stuff off the court, uh, outside of injuries. And obviously he's dealt with a lot of injuries too in his career. And to be back at this place... I feel for him as a human. It's just a bummer. CJ McCollum said like, you know, he, they were, some media members were asking him in the post game, kind of, what do you do, you know, with a, when a teammate gets injured or when a guy like Nurk gets injured and he says, you just, you just check in on them because they're a person. And I, I think that is the, the sort of the takeaway that it, major takeaway that for me is that the, the person got hurt and Nurk, the basketball player, um, there's certainly major implications for, you know, the perception of him as as injury prone or whatever term you want to use. But I'm sad for Nurk the human who has to deal with another setback. Terry Stott said it'll be a huge setback for the team. It'll be a huge setback for Nurk. And I, I, I kind of think that's an understatement. It's, a, it's just a really big deal and a really big bummer. I thought... Damien Lillard probably summed it up the best when he said, every year, man, it's something. And indeed, it does kind of feel like every year it's something, man. I believe the exact quote was, it's always something, man, every year. I think the tone from Dame and from CJ after the game, uh, from Terry in some way too, also was just, it wasn't defeated. It wasn't distraught it, it was mostly just like a deflated guys who just you know they, they got their ass whooped by the Pacers tonight uh, obviously secondary but they is second night of a back-to-back they got totally rolled by the Pacers if Nurk was in the game they probably still would have gotten rolled it wouldn't have mattered so certainly there was an element of just got just got whooped up on by its by a, a pretty good we fancied ourselves a pretty good team and a pretty good team came in here and um, beat our butts but there was a real sense of, there was a real just sort of deflated tone of, I don't want to say here we go again, but oh yeah, another thing. Of course there's another challenge was kind of, um, was kind of the tone coming out of, of I'm, I used to saying the locker room, but of the Zoom conference. What a world. So we're going to talk about basketball and at the, second two segments of this podcast that's what this is it's a it's a blazers podcast we talk about basketball but i want to implore you in this moment if you are frustrated or sad or anything like that to remember that nurk is a person and that a person got injured tonight um your basketball team lost its starting center and that sucks but also a dude who's come a long way over the last 18 months and has dealt with some stuff off the court that we don't really know about had another unfortunate kind of freak thing happen to him that's going to take him away from the thing he loves and maybe take him from the thing that brings him the most peace. That stinks. Uh, Remember that these guys are humans. Remember that um, they are more complex than what happens in between 94 feet. Nurk is much more than just a big dude who doesn't dunk enough. And... 
I think the emotion from his teammates, the kind of just deflatedness of his teammates really speaks to them understanding, man, I, I, I can't believe Nurk has to go through it again. And, uh, it was, it wasn't like a hyper emotional thing. I've been in the locker room, been on, I haven't been on zoom conferences, but I've been in the locker room for, for days that felt more emotional than this injury wise. Uh, I don't think that's what this was. This was just deflated is the best word I can think about Think of it's just, it was, it was a really deflated blazer group after this one. So, you know, get, get well soon, Nurk. I hope, I hope when the Blazers announce what's next, it's it's on the good side. It tends toward the it tends toward the good news because you deserve it. In the second segment, let's talk about basketball. There are real implications to this injury, and how the Blazers address it in the near term is uh, what I want to talk about. Who steps up? What that might look like, and what it means for the team going forward. All right. So we talked about Yusuf Nurkic. I'm feeling for the human, y'all. I really am. I'm feeling for the guy that is Yusuf Nurkic. He's um, he's kind of a weird, goofy dude. Um, and it's basketball is more fun with him on the court. It's more fun when Nurk plays. The game is more. It, he brings joy to the game. I'm going to miss that joy. But the Blazers have to keep playing. In fact, they play on Saturday night against the Atlanta Hawks. And they're going to have to make some decisions. I think the basic decision is very, very easy. Ennis Cantor starts at center. I don't think, I don't, there's no reason to think that there's um, some really creative solution coming in the short term, right? Uh, the, the Blazers don't have many bigs on the roster. So it's not a lot of choices. There are two names. We are going to talk about both of them. Their names are Ennis Cantor, Harry Giles. But Cantor's going to start. Going to start. I mean, Cantor is the guy on Saturday. Cantor's going to play big minutes. He's capable of that, um, just in terms of workload. He's maybe not totally cut out for it, like in terms of... Um, making a team a really good basketball team but the but you Ennis Cantor could play 30 minutes a night on in the NBA he's he's a, he's been at it for a while dude's 28 years old played in the league for a long time uh I got absolutely zero concerns about the workload for Ennis Cantor but the the Cantor grouping with the with the starters um hasn't been great like if if you've uh listen to this podcast in the past if you haven't welcome uh bummer episode to join but i promise m- many of them are very fun um there's just injuries suck and we have to talk about them but uh if you listen to this podcast in the past you know that i think some of the problems with ennis Cantor on the year is that he just he's playing next to rodney hood and carmelo anthony and he's not a very good defender and playing him next to two guys carmelo's not a very good defender and and uh, Hood just is not physically back to being a really good NBA player yet. He had a, a, br- a real bright moment early in the year, and he just hasn't looked good since then. He doesn't. He didn't look good again tonight. Um, so playing Cantor with that that front line, um, regardless of who are the two guards, it's it's just really really difficult. And he hasn't looked good. And and part of my reasoning was just get Cantor away from, from Mello. Like just, just get him away from Mello, get him away from Rodney Hood, play him more with the Blazers, two good defensive wings. 
uh, Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington. Digging in a little bit deeper there, the um, the advanced numbers uh, with Ennis, Rocco, and DJ on the court, not great. Uh, according to playbyplaystats.com, pbpstats.com, a wonderful website where you can get on-off data in, in really useful ways. I re- highly recommend it. That's where I'm getting this information right now. In 18 minutes, that trio is a negative 8.16 net rating. That means they're outscored by 8 points per 100 possessions when they're on the court. Offensive rating of 110 which is fine, and a defensive rating of 118, which is pretty bad. For context there, because maybe those numbers don't really mean anything to you, uh, one, uh, 110 net rating is about, is about league average, so right, right, would be right about 15th uh, in the league, and a defensive rating of 118 would be um, the worst in the league. Uh, the, the Blazers' defense is already pretty bad, so and, and I don't think 18 minutes is exactly enough of a sample size to draw a major conclusion, but it's... The early returns just suggest that Ennis Cantor is a bad defender regardless of who he plays with, which wouldn't have... I, my guess would have been it would have been a little better than that. And I think if they play more minutes together, you can hide some of Cantor's shortcomings. I'm not super worried about Cantor. Um, I think the Blazers are going to take a step back. Yusuf Nurkic is a much better basketball player. He's a much better passer. Um, Cantor's just really good at what he does. He's like... he He's... He had... If you can play him in a limited role and you can say, go grab off of offensive rebounds and score in the post against mismatches, he can dominate. If you expand that role, his weaknesses get magnified. And the, what I'm worried here is that when, as a starter, his weaknesses are going to get magnified. That's just, that is how this works, right? So, I can't just, the solution is not a great one, but, but you, um, that's why injuries suck because you were left with worse choices. The obvious other choice is Harry Giles. Um, no need to dig into the stats on Giles. He just he hasn't played enough. There's no reason to um, dissect his minutes. I think just watching, you know, I've watched whatever every minute of the Blazer games and some of them multiple times. But uh, you know, there are flashes where he shows you how special he could be. There was a moment where he grabbed a loose ball early in the season, and while he was diving for the loose ball, he flipped it behind him, just like very softly, um, back to Dame. Um, in a kind of a touch pass that I don't know how many people in the world can make. And then there are other times when he faces up to go to the rim and and you can tell he's already decided to shoot. And even if he gets cut off, he's taking a running, floating, fading jumper across the lane. What I'm saying is that it's good with the bad with Harry Giles. But my glass half full read on him is that he is a skilled big guy. And... He is also someone who is has a great deal of room to grow. Like he is so far from a finished product. Where whereas Ennis Cantor is a is a known quantity. You kind of you just know what you're going to get. You know what he's not going to be good at. You know what he's going to be good at. You 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 kind of tailor the game to hope that you maximize what he's good at. Harry Giles is unknown. Um, has not been a good defender in his career. Is not much of a shooter during his career, but has real passing ability. Uh, has some has some really interesting athleticism. Like can, um, if you give him some runway, he can really, really use athleticism. He's not maybe super, super quick in, in small areas, but, um, if you give him a little bit of, if, like I said, you give him a little runway, he can really, really, um, show off some leaping ability, some, some speed in the open court. Uh, he's, he's a special player, at least in terms of tools. Um, he just, 
I'm not sure he can be a super productive player at this stage in his career, um, especially tasked with sort of a large role, but I don't think you can write him off. I know a lot of people were excited for him. This is your chance to see him. He's going to get these minutes. He's going to get, he is going to have to play every single night. The last option that we have to talk about here and sort of what the Blazers do. So like the Blazers, what I think the Blazers are going to do is going to play Anna's Cantor 32 minutes a night. They're going to try to play Harry Giles those other 16 minutes. But there is a world where the Blazers go small. They did against the Toronto Raptors because the Raptors went small. And uh, that small lineup would be Robert Covington at center alongside probably uh, Carmelo Anthony. It's, Blazers don't have a lot of other fours. I, I guess there's a world where they they go small more regularly and Nazir Little gets to play. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I don't think they're going to go small anyways, but I think there's a universe where they do it a little bit. Um, I think that's, I think against certain matchups, that could be really fun. Um, Robert Covington has shown that he can be a help side defender as a sort of quote unquote center. He's, um, he has those abilities. He's a really, really smart help side defender with great instincts and great hands. He can block shots. He can rotate over great timing, rotating over and stuff like that. Why I don't think they will do that is because of rebounding. I just think Terry will not sacrifice. They'll get killed on the boards with that size if they play against other centers. Like if a other, another team goes small, the Blazers are able to go small. They can chameleon down and go small. But if you play traditional bigs against them, um, Covington can't punish a traditional big very much on offense, really. He does not have that sort of offensive repertoire. And you might get crushed on the on the defensive glass and just give up way too many offensive boards. So I don't think they'll do it. I think they can, and I think it's an option, but I don't think they'll do it. Those are your three things. Cantor, Giles, Robert Covington. The other thing you're screaming into your microphone right now is, what about the free agents? You're screaming it in that monotone way that I just did it. You're just you're just staring straight forward saying, what about the free agents? Let's talk about it in the third segment, y'all. Join me there. But first, let me tell you about betonline.ag. It's betting season, y'all. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust during betting season. It's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Look, NFL playoffs this weekend, NBA in full swing, NHL starting up, it's time. So get in on the action. And don't forget while you're while you're there to use the promo code LOCKEDON to re- receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online Sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. Shout out to Dre Slaps, who makes all the music for Locked On Blazers. You can find a link to all of Dre's work, his merch, and his music in the description of this very episode. Yo, if you like basketball podcasts, like if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're looking for more basketball podcasts, can I can I give you a recommendation? How about rejecting the screen? A great interview podcast on this very network. You can go behind the scenes of the game you love and get all the sides of the story with rejecting the screen. 
Each week, Noah Kozlov and Adam, and Adam Stanko get personal or interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. So subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get podcasts. All right. So you, we talked about Yusuf Nurkic. I feel sorry for the man Yusuf Nurkic. I feel sorry for the for the human Yusuf Nurkic. I really, I really do. It's um, it has it's upsetting. Injuries suck. We talked about the Blazers' internal solutions. They're going to start in a scanter. They're going to give Harry Giles minutes, and they have the ability to go small. Although I don't think Stotts will do it. But they also have another option. Okay, like it, you know it. I know it. The world, <laughs> the world here knows it. They can sign a free agent. They have a couple ways of, of doing that. It's, um, they can use the biannual exception. They can t- sign someone to a min- minimum salary contract. Uh, they also have a $2.4 million trade exception if they want to go that route and trade for someone. They could sign someone to a two-way deal. Let's just run through those. Let's get a couple of them out right now, right out of the way right now, and then we'll zero in on, on what I think the realistic options are. They're not going to use the biannual exception. They're not going to use it because they're not going to go into luxury tax. And maybe they maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they wake up, maybe I wake up tomorrow morning and they've made it. They've made a signing and they've made, they've signed someone with um and, and gone into the luxury tax, right? Like maybe maybe they can get there. But I think they're really, really dead set against going against it. I think ownership really wants to stay below that line. And if you go over it, then you put yourself into a situation later in the season where you have to make a trade to shed salary and get cheaper. I don't think they want to be in that position because that might mean you have to get worse or at least trade a player that you want, right? So biannual exceptions off the table. That's, that's like a... $3 million contract. They probably don't need to use that anyways. That's probably too much money for the, you know, signing someone off the street, someone who's not currently on an NBA roster right now. So they're also not going to use the trade, the trade exception. In, in theory, they could, um, they could make an imbalanced trade and, and absorb them with a $2.4 million trade exception, essentially a minimum salary for a, for a long-term vet for a 10 year vet or a seven year vet rather. But uh, they're not going to make the trade. It just seems unlikely that that other teams are will- wanting to make a trade at this stage in the season, right? Um, it's We're not there yet when guys are sort of just like, when teams are just sort of like shedding end of the roster vets. It's game 11. So the two things they're going to do, and the two reasonable ones, are use a, sign someone to a minimum salary. I think this is the, the most likely scenario. Or sign another two-way guy. The... I think the challenge of signing another two-way guy is that you're signing like a Moses Brown type and what you're signing is like just another tall body. Um, not a bad idea, like because people get people get in foul trouble, um, you know, injuries can happen in the future and just having someone on the roster who could be a tall person who could give you, you know, seven minutes when you really need it to survive a little, uh, survive a game and, you know, get through a game with having um, just someone who's close to seven feet tall on the roster can help. But, but Two-way contracts, while there are a bunch of veterans heading to the G League, um, many of them are not two-way eligible. It's not how the, the contract works. So you're signing like a, you're signing an unproven big. Uh, that is not a terrible idea, like I said, but I don't think it's the path forward. So the most reasonable path forward is to sign someone to a minimum deal. Here's the problem. 
even a minimum contract right now pushes the Blazers into the tax. And if the tax is a hard no, if the tax is a line that, that the ownership has drawn and says we will not cross, they're not signing anyone. They're not. They're moving forward with the group that they have. And it means that Nazir Little's going to play some minutes here and there. It means you're going to get, you know, more small ball. You're going to get a lot of Harry Giles and things like that. Eventually, as you get further down in the season, the Blazers will be able to sign someone to a minimum deal. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the timeline is. I'd have to I'd have to reach out to them and ask for clarification. But uh, as you get further down the line, the minimum contract is, is prorated for the number of days the guys on the team and the Blazers can hit. They can hit the mark where later in the season they'll be able to sign a guy to a prorated minimum deal and stay under the um under the tax line. So maybe it's just patience. Maybe you wait till you get there with this group. And I think the Blazers can be relatively competitive. I don't think, I mean, they're going to be worse, right? But they're not going to be, um, they're not, Nurk is not, was not, the drop off from Nurk to Ennis Cantor is not so dramatic that the Blazers go from, you know, competitive mid, mid-level mid playoff team to, you know, lottery bound. I, I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, they're worse though. They're, they're definitely going to take a step back. So if it's a hard no on the minimum salary and, and entering the, if the, if the, the luxury tax is a hard no, they're going to do nothing. And I, right now, as I sit here at 11 PM on Thursday evening, that's how I think this goes down. I think this is a hard no. I think this is the Blazers move forward with who they got. And what I want to say is if they choose to do that, cool cool but don't let those don't let those folks who run the team try to tell you that they did everything they possibly could to get Damian Lillard a championship ring because if you don't pay the tax you can't say you did it all that's just how it works sorry billionaires so I'm not that sorry to billionaires y'all be honest but just so because you're asking me I know you're going to ask. I'm anticipating the questions. I don't think they're going to sign a minimum guy. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to roll forward. Terry Stott said he would talk to uh, Neil tomorrow about what they might do. Uh, I think that was Terry's way of saying, ask me about it in the future or, you know, text Neil or whatever. But before that conversation happens, or I guess depending on when you're listening to it, after that conversation has happened... uh, You're still curious about what are the options. I know you, dear listener, you crave specifics. So let me... Let me provide them for you. Some names of people they could sign to a minimum contract, which I'm very skeptical that they will, but they could. They could. That's what I'm saying. They could. Jan Mahinmi, Dwayne Dedman, Kylo Quinn, and my personal favorite, John Henson. All those dudes, all of them would put the Blazers over the tax line. So I don't think it happens. But their names to know, things to consider. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they, maybe they hear Dame and he says, "Listen, we need more. I get me more options." Or, "Listen, I don't want to go forward with just just Ennis Cantor and Harry Giles. We need at least one more tall dude who can we can try on some nights." So maybe they do. Maybe they go over the line. I'm skeptical that they do, but those are some names to keep in mind. We get, there'll be better days ahead, Rip City, dear listeners. I've, I probably never referred to you all as Rip City. I, that's not what you are. You're locked on Blazers listeners. Dear listeners, there's better days ahead. Today was a bad day. Today was a bad night. A bummer. But there's better days ahead. Hopefully we'll hear for, uh, 
update on Yusuf Nurkic. And if if you if there is one, you know where to find it. We'll talk about it right here on the show. Also coming next week, uh, really fun guest, the duo from the comedy podcast Assville, which is a Portland comedy podcast that does have a lewd name. So apologies for those of you um, who didn't want to hear a swear word, but occasionally I swear on here, so I'm not too worried about it. Shane Brandon and Seth Allen are going to join me on the podcast on it's going to release Sunday evening or perhaps Monday morning, depending on when we uh, link up to record on Sunday. But that should be a ton of fun. They're uh, big Blazer fans and incredibly funny dudes, two comedians based here in Portland. So check that out in your feeds early next week. Better days ahead. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazer to be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.